Well, good morning, folks. We're two months into this whole coronavirus fandango, and yet here we are again, doing church on YouTube and Zoom. There have been a number of benefits to lockdown that I, that I hope you've managed to experience, but it's all wearing a little bit thin now. So it wouldn't be su- surprised me if you've prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer, you know, the one that goes, oh Lord, please make this virus stop. Make it go away, or words to that effect. And why wouldn't you pray that prayer? After all, we're told time and time again in the Bible that God loves to hear his children's prayers and he loves to answer them. One such promise of answered prayer is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, where the Lord says, If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from my wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. But is God listening? It doesn't seem like he's healing our land at the moment, does it? While we grieve the loss of some of our freedoms, some people are literally grieving the loss of loved ones and they haven't even been able to give them a decent send off. We worry about the 7.7 million people in Britain who live on on their own or are desperately isolated at the moment. And we worry even more about those trapped in households where it seems to us that they might be better off living on their own. And who knows what the financial ramifications of this crisis will be. But the longer it goes on, the more we know that once again, it will be the poor who suffer the most. Is God listening? Is he hearing our prayers? Maybe that's a question you've asked before. I know I have. Maybe you've prayed and prayed and prayed for a spouse or a loved one to come to faith or for healing for someone with a a really debilitating disease or disability. And then what happens next? Nothing. The heavens are silent. Does God really answer prayer? Do our prayers make any difference at all? Well, once again, context is key here in the Bible with this promise of answered prayer here in 2 Chronicles 7. And the context is is this. King Solomon has just built a temple to the Lord and he's, he's prayed a prayer of dedication over it in which he's asked that this temple would be a place where God hears and answers prayers. And then that very night, God appears to Solomon in a dream and he says, yes, Solomon, I will listen if. Did you see that great big if in verse 14? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. God really does love us and he really loves to hear and answer our prayers. He is listening, but are we really praying to him, the God of all heaven and earth? Folks, let me give you three keys to understanding prayer so that we can pray with confidence that God will listen and hear our prayers. The first one is humility. If my people humble themselves, the Lord says to Solomon. 
that's not really how we do life, is it? Let alone approach God in prayer. I have to confess that too many of my prayers have been less like me bowing the knee humbly before my loving Heavenly Father who made all things and and reigns over all things forevermore and more like me treating him like a heavenly genie or a vending machine. You know how a vending machine works, don't you? My brother and I used to love vending machines when we were younger. We went swimming with my dad every week and once we'd towed off and changed, he used to give us a 20p to go and spend in the vending machine of wonder. Oh, the excitement that filled our tiny little minds as we stood in front of this big bottle, a big metal box of delights and tried to make our choice. Would it be a packet of Quavers or maybe some Space Invaders? Perhaps a Curly Whirly or maybe we might get two things, a Freddo and a packet of Polos. (laughs) I tell you, it was the best part of our week. It's so sad. But you know how a vending machine works. You put your money in. You make your choice and then you get what you want. And folks, I think often that is how we treat God. We come to him asking for what we want and we think we need, like good exam results or uh, good health for us or our family members, an easy life, uh, and ultimately a ticket to heaven when we die. And when he doesn't deliver what we want, We are furious with him, banging the side of the machine, demanding our money back. But what if we humbled ourselves? What if we prayed like we did earlier on in this service, our Father in heaven? Putting aside our little miss or little Mr. know-it-all attitude and trusting that from his perspective, he sees the bigger picture much better than we do. And what if we prayed, hallowed be your name, acknowledging that his name is holy and special and to be honoured and adored much more than we are. Praying, thy will be done. Open ourselves up to the possibility that what he wants is much bigger and much better and much more satisfying and stretching than what we want or feel we need. And what if we prayed, thy kingdom come. Recognising that there will come a day when all of our prayers will be answered, yes and amen, in the coming of Christ, to wrap up human history and to fully and finally right all human wrongs and to institute his perfect kingdom forevermore. What if when we prayed we bowed the knees and humbled ourselves before the Lord in that way. Maybe we wouldn't so often find ourselves like the kid who asks for a curly-whirly and finds himself with a cucumber, all angry and disappointed with God. But, but we might instead meet God and get to know him and really enjoy him, being with him. And maybe we wouldn't get up from praying, shrugging our shoulders, going, well, I wonder if that did any good. But we'd actually be expectantly looking for answers to our prayers. Go, I wonder what God is doing here. Where, where is he leading? Where is he taking me? How should I follow? Even if what happens next isn't really what I asked for. We're told to humble ourselves. 
And humility isn't thinking less of ourselves. It is thinking of ourselves less. And so surely the starting point that has, for that has got to be <laughs> taking the focus off ourselves and putting it onto God, praising him, adoring him, treasuring and thanking him for who he is and not merely coming to him with a shopping list. And as we do that, I think it'd be incredibly helpful for us to, to actually bow, to actually kneel. There are very few things in life that are as humbling as bowing on our knees before someone else. It's uncomfortable. It feels really awkward. But these are good discomforts because they remind me that I'm coming into the presence of one who is greater than I am. So pray with your body, folks. Let's humble our proud selves before the Lord. And then the second key is seek God's face. You see that there? God says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face. What does that mean? What does it mean to seek God's face? Well, hold on in here, folks, because this is where it gets a little bit technical. As seeking God's face in the Old Testament was a really risky business. So, for example, Moses once asked God to see his glory, to see who he, he really was, his very essence. And the response was really guarded from God. He said, yeah, yeah, you can see my glory as I pass by. But Moses had to hide in the cleft of some rocks for his own protection. God said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And all the way through the Old Testament, we have this tension between God really wanting his people to, to draw near him and get to know him, but, but them being unable to do so because they're so sinful, so unclean, so unholy that they would be burned up by God's holiness like a comet would be burned up if it, it, by the glory of the sun if it came too close. But then right at the start of the New Testament, the Apostle John introduces us to Jesus by saying these words. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. Do you see? Jesus fully reveals the glory of God to us. In him we see God's face. And no one has to hide behind a rock to do so. Because the Gospels go on to tell us that Jesus died on the cross so that we can be washed so spotlessly clean of our sin that we can approach a perfect holy God and meet him as he truly is. And so God says, when you pray, seek my face. Come to me through Jesus. Which is why the New Testament writers make much of praying in Jesus' name. We don't pray to some random, nameless, faceless God. He is not found in calling out to Allah or Shiva or Brahma. No, God has made himself known to us in Jesus. We can't come any closer to God than to meet him through Jesus Christ. 
guess at the moment we really get how genuine satisfying conversation happens face to face because we've been missing it for so long haven't we with with friends and family members or as we do uh, church together uh, zoom just doesn't cut it anymore we long to be able to meet face to face and we should feel like that with god as well and so he says seek my face in jesus seek my eyes my ears my mouth and in doing that i think we've got to be willing to listen to what god has to say to us as well as to speak to him to really ask him father what are you saying to me in this moment in time what are you saying to me in my life at this moment and we've also got to let god see us examine us in our hearts which brings us to our third and final key here, which is repentance. God says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Folks, the biggest hindrance, the biggest obstacle to our prayers is our sinfulness. Time and again, the Bible warns us of this. So the psalmist in Psalm 66 warns us that if we cherish sin in our hearts, if we, if we just hold on to our sins and we won't let go of sinning, the Lord will not listen to our prayers. And then again in Zechariah 7, when the people wouldn't listen to God because they thought they could just do life all by themselves, perfectly well, thank you very much. God says, as I called and they would not hear. So they called and I wouldn't hear. Or what about the first chapter of the book of James where those who are walking in belief, doubting God's word and his character, they should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, we're told. And so on and so forth, time and again in the Bible, even husbands in 1 Peter 3 being told that if they mistreat their wives, they must not mistreat their wives, so that nothing may hinder your prayers. Now granted, there are sometimes when God doesn't answer our prayers, not because of our sinfulness, but because of our need to be changed and shaped by struggles so that we become more like him. He often sends trials to us to stretch and test our faith so it might be proved genuine and not just the easy presumption of a vending machine customer. We are not God's customers. We are his children. He is not our heavenly genie. He is our creator and we are his creatures, dysfunctional, broken, full of sin, and therefore in need of a saviour. And so God says to us, if my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. and will forgive their sin and heal. God has provided us with a saviour in Jesus Christ. Will we let him save us? 
Why not ask God to examine your heart this morning? What is there in your life that is keeping you from turning to him? How are you ignoring his voice this morning? Then confess your sins. Maybe it might be an idea to actually write a prayer of confession to him, like like in a letter. Whatever he's shown you is wrong in your heart. Pour it out to him there. Write it down. Be reassured that confession is the starting point of all real prayer. And then finally, walk in faith, turning from your sin, running from it if necessary, and seeking to live differently by the power of God's Spirit. And can I just say that one of the tools the Spirit uses to help us live differently is each other. So as we seek to walk in Christ, let's be confessing our struggles to each other and asking one another to pray for us and to encourage us in our battles against our different temptations. I was reminiscing with our eldest daughter this week about what a wonderful answer to prayer she was when she first arrived 13 years ago. And one of the things I remember so vividly uh, from those early days of our amateur parenting was how attentive we were to her cries. If you're a parent, you might have uh, experienced this yourself, uh, or if you're not, you, you might have seen other people go through this. The baby makes so much as a squeal, and uh, whether it's in the middle of the day or the middle of the night, it doesn't matter. You go running. Suddenly you're wide awake. My baby is crying. Uh, uh, I must go to her. She needs me. And every parent, every new parent has one of those magic boxes, don't they? <laughs> you know that they plug into the wall uh, or, or it goes wirely or wirelessly around different parts of the house and it rules their lives. The baby monitor. So you can be watching TV or on the phone uh, and uh, every sneeze and every snuffle demands your attention so much so that you can't concentrate on barely anything else. Folks, I think God is like that with us. Anytime, day or night, he is, he is listening out for our cries. He is longing for us to to cry out to him, to to pray to him. He loves you and he wants to hear from you. Even if it's just an incoherent sniffle or even an angry cry, if you come to him humbly, confessing your sin, seeking his face through Jesus, he will listen to your prayers. And often, I've got to say, He answers them in ways that are abundantly beyond what we have asked for. I mean, isn't that the case for us right now in our present situation? Thousands across our country are doing Christianity Explored or the Alpha course at the moment online. In our church, we've got more people doing Christianity Explored this term than have done it over the last four years. And many of us for years, we have been praying, lamenting the decline in church attendance that there's been in Britain. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, a few months ago, actually, we were deeply troubled when Franklin Graham was banned from preaching the gospel in arenas throughout our nation. And we were praying for that situation. And what's happening now? Over one in four people in Britain have watched an online church service since lockdown started. More people are coming to church and hearing the gospel preached at the moment than they were before this whole virus thing started. And that's before we even get into questions about bluer skies and nature recreating itself. Or people being much more willing to stop and chat and say hello on the streets at the moment. That's certainly been my experience of lockdown. I don't know about you. Not to mention also the, the little acts of kindness, the ringing round, the offers of help, the work of the food bank, the giving and the, the saving for others that is going on. We would never have asked for this, not in a million years. And yet things are happening. God is at work amazingly at the moment. He always is. If only we have the eyes of faith to look and see. Now, of course, there have been some who have been really hard hit by what has been happening. And we've only had to switch on the news or look at our news feed this week to have our hearts broken by a world in turmoil. Unnumbered souls irreconcilably divided in nations across this globe without God and without hope in the world. But Christian, don't despair. God is good and he is in control. And you are not powerless to help. You can pray and your prayers make all the difference. You can pray to the one who holds this world in his hands and your prayers are not weak and insignificant. Because when you pray in line with God's will, your prayers move the hand of the one who moves the world. So there's nothing left for me to say just now, is there? But should we do that now? Shall we pray? Let's bow our heads and let me lead us in prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we feel so powerless to change our lives, let alone a broken, angry world at the moment. Even our prayers often feel weak and ineffective. But forgive us for doubting you when we should really be doubting ourselves. And help us to trust that you do hear our prayers and you will forgive our sins and you have promised to heal our world. We cry out to you to bring peace and justice and to keep us prayerful and hopeful and active as your voice and hands and your feet in our society. We pray this through the precious name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.